1: What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us here for this very special Thursday edition of Fantasy MLB today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Orico99 and also at Ethos Fantasy BB. That's where all of our new podcasts, different articles, updates to our draft guide, and pretty much any of our baseball content you will find on Twitter at Ethos Fantasy BB. So please do go check that out. Today, we have a very special guest joining the show. Somebody that I met briefly in Arizona, didn't get to pick his brain as much as I probably would have liked to. So I brought him on the show here today to talk about some pitcher rank changes here as we lead up into the regular season. There are injuries, there are spring training movers based on performance and based on a bunch of different factors. So Alex Fast has kindly agreed to join us here today. Alex, how are you doing, man?
0: I'm doing well, man. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, plenty, Sadly, plenty of things to talk about with all the injuries and things that are happening, but happy to be here to talk pitching with you.
1: Before we get going, you want to just let everybody know, I'm, I'm, I'd am i be shocked if anybody doesn't know who you are, but you want to just tell everybody what you do, and where you can be found?
0: Uh, yeah, one second. Sorry, all of my audio just cut out, so I'm going to see if I can figure out what happened there. Bear with me momentarily here. Can you hear me? There we go. That's better. All right. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, you, you were saying, can I say something? And then all my audio cut out. Sorry.
1: No, just uh, let everybody know. I'm sure everybody knows who you are, but if they don't, uh, maybe just a quick little background on what you do, where you can be found.
0: Yeah, sure. Oh, man, sorry about that. Um, That's Yeah, so you can find me over on Twitter at AlexFast8. So I'm a VP over at PitcherList. Uh, recently came out with my top 100 uh, fantasy starting pitchers and an article about a project that I'm working on about quantifying and studying the impacts of finger pressure on thrown baseballs. Uh, and you can see some of my work starting next week uh on espn where
1: i do the uh
0: content overlays for the sunday night baseball broadcast so excited to go ahead and get started with that too
1: yeah very cool i'm talking with an emmy award winner here very very <laughs> cool stuff uh, i've always been a big tv person so emmys have always meant more to me than oscars for whatever reason. oh wow i, I don't um, know i've been i'm a movie person but i've been like such a huge tv fan since i was i don't know pretty much since the sopranos and i mean you're a baltimore guy the wire is something that i've Held near and dear to my heart forever.
0: Greatest um, show ever.
1: Yeah, I am. I tend to agree. And ugh, while we're talking about it, RIP to, uh, to Lance Reddick. That's just I a know, man. brutal one. Too soon.
0: And a Baltimore too native,
1: soon. too. Baltimore native, mm-hmm. too. And I think David Simon tried to get as many Baltimore people involved as he could. But I've always been a TV person. Very cool to be speaking to an Emmy Award recipient, even though it mm-hmm. wasn't for... I mean, it's still for TV, but it's you know what you. I think you guys know what I'm talking about here. But Alex is one of the coolest people in the industry. Definitely a treat to be able to talk with him. Now, in terms of the topic today, I mentioned off the top, we're going to talk about changes to pitching rankings. I find that I can't open up my spreadsheet without changing something, even if it's flipping around number 64 and 65 or, or something. Uh, But there is just so much news that has happened over the last couple of weeks, really, and there have been some rather drastic changes I've had to make to my own rankings. We'll start with, I think, the biggest one here, Carlos Rodon. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know this news is a week or two old, but I've had to adjust my rankings. Everybody has. I've put him down in the 20s for now because I'm just still a little bit nervous about what to expect from him. Now, according to the reports, he's only going to miss supposedly two or three starts, but still... Forearm, anything close to the elbow, just gives me a little bit of pause. Uh, where have you moved, Carlos Rodon? I'm assuming he moved down. Uh, what are your thoughts on him entering the season?
0: Yeah, I was already a little bit, a little bit lower on him than consensus, just because I'm a little bit concerned still about. His arsenal and obviously the injury risk was already there and going into that new park, I ended up moving him down to the mid 20s as well. I actually put him in a small tier with a few of the guys that we're going to discuss today in Joe Musgrove uh, and Luis Severino, right? Because there are three guys who... Um, either are dealing with an injury right now like Musgrove with that broken toe or Severino, who is, you know, we don't know how many innings we're going to get out of him overall. Um, And then obviously we can talk briefly later on about how he's dealing just with spring training ineptitude. Um, But that's why I decided to kind of put him A a little bit lower. I still think realistically, like I I think considering this is the first first month in which he is throwing with a brand new contract that is over many, many years that the Yankees are going to take it easy with him. This is something that he has pitched with in the past, um, and he pitched very, very poorly when he did have it. So I think they might say, you know what, we'll start you in May. Right, that's what I think kind of ends up happening. If I'm kind of putting on my, you know, I don't, I don't want to say tinfoil hat, but if I'm guessing, I'm not an injury expert by any means, but if I'm guessing, I think they say, hey, we're gonna let you rest for a little while. We're not gonna win or lose the division in April. We're gonna rest you, bring you in in May, and you'll still be able to get 150 innings out of him with a low three ERA and a plus 30% K rate and a really, really helpful WHIP. So, in I'm more prone to take him in. Uh, Head to head leagues, because I think you might be able to make up for it a little bit, especially kind of, you know, a few streamers that go your way. It's early in the season. You can catch fire real quick with some dudes in rotos. I might knock him down a little bit just because missing what could be a full month of production in terms of your K's just might not be worth uh, what his current draft price is. But yeah, to answer your original question, mid 20s for me as well.
1: Yeah, I got him 27 right now. Still might move him around a little bit. I uh, am Just looking at the main event, ADPs, there's been 10 main events. He's going to pick 75, so you have to figure, you know, most people are playing in 12-team leagues as opposed to 15, and there's no IL spots in, in any of the NFBC leagues, so you could argue he goes a little bit earlier. Or he should go a little bit earlier if you're talking your 10- your or 12-team home leagues where you've got a bunch of IL spots. It sucks because I had him as a top five starting pitcher. I don't think he'll get back to there at this point just based on volume. But per inning, uh, I think we could still see, like you mentioned, 150 or so, you know, maybe 26, 27 starts, best case scenario. That's if everything goes well. And Carlos Rodon has shown us the last couple of years how elite he can be. So I am concerned. I have moved him down. But he's not someone I've crossed off my board. Uh, he's still somebody that I would take, especially with the discount. You know, If you're only missing two, three starts out of him, uh, there could still be a lot of value there. Uh, The next guy who has probably a more concerning injury here, that'd be Tyler Glass. Now, I think it's going to be eight weeks for him. They have said now he somebody where whenever he's out there, he has shown that he can be uh, a top 10 pitcher, I think, very easily. But he's just never healthy. I've moved him down to God. I don't even know where I have him at this point in the 50s, I think. Uh, Yeah, he's 54 at the moment for me. And that might even be a little bit too high. I don't know where to really how to really feel about Tyler Glass. Now, what are your thoughts, though, Alex, on him?
0: Um, I think it's kind of fair to lump in, I have him a little bit higher, but only because I think it's fine to lump in Tyler Glasnow with like uh, Clayton Kershaw, right, who maybe that's unfair because even though Kershaw is not going to get you 150, 160 innings, he's almost guaranteed to get you 120, 130, right? That's kind of what's been more consistent with him. Whereas Tyler Glasnow has never thrown Over 100 innings in a season. That's pretty remarkable considering how high he frequently goes in drafts. But I think putting him around Kershaw and maybe Dustin May um, is kind of fitting because there is still the chance, right? Even if he comes back in that time that he gets you 120 130 innings, there is still that possibility, right? So after him too, like there's kind of a teardrop off when it comes to overall talent, right? Like it wouldn't, it like, it wouldn't surprise me if Tyler Glasnow comes back, gives you a hundred and I would say gives you 90 to 110 innings, somewhere in that range. But with a mid to high two ERA, maybe a low three ERA with fantastic Ks and a really, really good whip, right? He's still going to, on it, like you said earlier with, with, um, with Rodon on a per-inning basis, he's going to be really, really good for you. The other thing, though, which might mean that I'm a little too high on him because he he is in the mid-30s for me, is you just don't know how the Rays are going to handle him as well, right? You know, this is an organization that isn't really known for letting guys go into the 6th, 7th inning, right? They're very quick to get to the pen, and Glasnow is not going to be a guy who they really let go long right they have guys that can do that now they'll let McClanahan go a little bit longer I imagine between Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen one of those two guys will get to go a little bit longer as well Glasdown's not going to be that um, there is a space for him on your team especially if they're all if there are aisle spots available there is a place later on in drafts you know when you're, when you're getting down to you know choosing between like I don't know, Nathan Ivaldi or Alex Cobb or uh, Andrew Heaney, guys like that. At that point, it's almost worth the risk because you know what you're getting with Glass now, even if it means fewer innings.
1: Yeah, I'm there with you. I drafted him last week in an NFBC league. I took him, I think, in the 160, 170 range. And for me, that was a decent enough discount. I'd built up a, enough of a base of starting pitching where I was OK with that. And, of course, uh, that argument that I mentioned earlier with Rodon is going to be the same thing with anybody we talked about, really. If you're talking an NFBC league where there's no IL spots, you're going to push those guys down a little bit because there's just less security. Uh, You know, there's less replacement value there. It's just altogether a harder picture to fill out uh, if you're talking a 15-teamer versus your 10 or 12-teamers that a lot of people will play in. Moving on, uh, Joe Musgrove. Now, I don't think people have moved him down too much, maybe a spot or two. Uh, based on his broken toe that he suffered in the weight room, I believe. Did you move around Joe Musgrove at all in your rankings?
0: No, not necessarily. I mean, it's funny. I, I have been uh, fortunate enough that, uh, <laughs> or unfortunate enough. No, I should say I'm fortunate that I haven't broken many bones in my life. I have broken toes, uh, oddly enough, like my both of my big toes at a random point in time. Um, and I do know that it is all it really takes is like staying off of it for a couple of weeks and it can heal relatively quick. Right. And it was a freak accident. Like, even if it is, I don't think it is his plant foot. It's his left foot. So actually, yeah, this is plant foot, which is a little bit more concerning, but overall, like you knew, you probably weren't going to be getting 200 innings out of, uh, at of Musgrove to begin with, um, I still think it's a possibility that you can get 170, maybe even 180 innings out of him um, after this freak accident. And then you're still getting you know, good ratios, a very good ERA on a really, really good team. So you're still getting the categories across the board. Of all the guys that we've talked about, he's the guy who's definitely, in my mind, going to end the year with the most innings. So I still have him in the mid-20s. I don't really have any problem kind of taking that shot on him.
1: You said you got him and, and Rodon both in the mid 20s. Which one would you prefer to take at this point?
0: I actually have them back to back with Musgrove going over Rodon right now. Um and I can I can understand the argument for the opposite. Uh I just cuz I think overall Rodon will end with a better ERA and with with maybe uh, a higher uh, he's, I don't know if he's going to end with more overall Ks just because of that innings differential, right? Obviously Rodon's going to end with a higher K rate, right? It's going to be sub a plus 30 and Musgrove is going to be around 25-26. But I still think Musgrove can end with more overall Ks. Um, So for me, I like to take the volume a little bit more. I just like to play it safer. But I can understand the argument for swapping them. But yeah, I have Musgrove one ahead.
1: I think they're going pretty similarly um, in the main events. Let's see. What did I say? 75 for Rodon. Musgrove is 87. So they're within a round Mm -hmm. of each other. Uh, I could definitely see taking Musgrove a little more safe. uh, Probably a lot more safe, honestly, with Rodon. I mean, he's had injury problems in the past as well. Uh, something else could come up. This might not be the end of it, even if it is just the forearm and two starts. Uh, I think there's a little more safety in Musgrove. I also have him a, a couple spots higher. I agree there. Now, somebody that I haven't actually manually adjusted in my rankings, but who is going to be moving quite a bit down is to Tony And uh, I was already pretty down on him. I think a lot of people are. He's an obvious regression candidate, and now he is going to be on the IL to start the season. I've got him in the 60s, but he's going to go even farther than that, I think. Are you a Tony Gonsolin guy, or were you a Tony Gonsolin guy before, and has your opinion changed at all with him going to miss the start of the season now?
0: Yeah, you know what's funny about Tony Gonsolin is I obviously saw all of the, you know, I don't want to say hate, but a a lot of the dislike for him on on baseball, Twitter, on fantasy baseball, Twitter about him. And I was like, I don't know if it's really going to be that bad. And then I kind of looked into it and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, maybe it is really going to be that bad. So the warning signs that I saw are the Dodgers shift more than any other team in baseball. Gonsalem was one of the largest beneficiaries of that shift. He had a 207 Babbitt, which was the lowest in all of baseball. He had Trey Turner, who is no longer there, although he still has a, a good replacement in Rojas. Um, the, the home run to fly ball ratio dropped below 10%, I think, for the first time in his career. Uh, so that's probably going to come back up. And he's still only through 130 innings, which was a career high. So, like, there is a lot of things pointing towards regression, right? This isn't just a Babbitt thing. Babbitt is one of many factors that comes into this, right? Um, so, yeah, I, I also just think, too, like, it's just kind of a splitter. Like, the four-seamer, I just... Don't think is that great. The splitter is obviously fantastic at a 19% swing strike rate last year, a 137 Woba. Those are elite, but I don't know. I think you, you add the injury plus the fact that the Dodgers are another organization that are like the Rays and are probably going to treat Gonsolin, you know, maybe a little bit safer um, instead of just kind of building him back up right away. So all of those things kind of point to me of like, I don't even know in a 12-teamer at the moment if I am taking him. He might be like, maybe, maybe I could make the argument that he's a guy that I would take last and then put him on the IL. Like I don't necessarily mind that because it's going to open me up to streaming anyway. But other than that, I think there are other guys around where he goes that have more upside that are currently healthy, that do not pose as much of a regression risk that I'd be interested in.
1: I've crossed him off my board. He wasn't somebody that I was targeting at all before, but... Yeah, you you laid it out perfectly in terms of why he will regress. He was just, he was perfect last year. I think he was 16 and one was his record. And that's another thing that fantasy managers will look at. You know, people will look at previous year stats. He had 16 wins. His ERA was minuscule. It's not going to happen again. And I know a lot of people, probably the majority of people who listen to a fantasy baseball podcast are into the advanced stats, but I still feel like there's a lot of people who will hear FIP and XFIP and kind of tune it out. But you really need to look at those advanced pitching indicators because a guy like Gonsolin is someone who will not do what he did again i'd be shocked i'll give away a free membership to the website if so, if Gonsolin does what he does again if somebody can find this at the end of the year and Gonsolin is you know top 20 pitcher on the player radar i'll give away i'll give away 5 free memberships at that point i'm not sure the bosses would love me for that but it that's how sure uh you know it just it's not going to happen you need to look into the advanced metrics and the guy like Gonsolin, he's been lucky but i don't think we're going to continue to see that keep happening for him Luis Severino, you mentioned him earlier. It has been a tough spring for Luis Severino. Is he somebody who has moved down your rankings at all?
0: Um, not necessarily. I'm. I really try to do my best to like, unless I see something that really, really scares me. Um, I'm probably not going to let poor spring training performance necessarily impact uh you know especially with a guy of his caliber right like i know what he's capable of i don't think i have seen anything that also suggests that there has maybe been like a change in movement profile or anything like that um if anything from what i've seen that you know the four-seamer that he has is actually maybe getting some additional horizontal movement to it which i kind of dig so i i I Like, obviously, I do not like looking to see 15 innings pitched with 15 earned runs. (laughs) It's not something that's going to give me a lot of confidence. But spring training stats are so difficult because every, I think, quote, unquote, fantasy baseball expert will tell you that in large part they are to be ignored. Right. But there are cognitive biases that we adhere to just as human beings. Right. Where it's like we see that line and we cannot help but think oh, man, this is bad. Um, I think we just have to say, okay, is his velocity within the bands of being okay? Is his movement profile within the bands of being what we're used to seeing from him? If that's the case, then, and he's not injured, right? Because we haven't seen him be pulled off and we haven't had any reports of, oh, he's going to start the year in the aisle or anything like that. If that's the case, then I'm still willing to take a risk on Severino. And if anything, I'm going into my chat And I'm just talking so much smack about how awful he's been, so I can get the price a little bit lowered and then take him at a discount.
1: Is he somebody that worried you at all like before the spring? Was there any, like in terms of where you maybe had him at the end of last year versus now? And like just looking at the K rate going down, the walk rate went up a little bit. He's somebody who has struggled with his health throughout his career a little bit. I am personally a little bit lower, probably on consensus. Was that something that worried you before we'd seen him struggle in spring at all?
0: um i we saw him have his highest ground ball rate since 2017 last year which i kind of dug especially in that park all those ground balls came as a result of the change up which went from like a mid 40 percent ground ball rate to like a like a 56 percent ground ball rate makes sense the the movement profile changed a bit um we saw kind of the same four seam usage that we saw from uh from before he was injured he he did something new that excuse me a lot of Yankees have done recently uh Cole did it a little bit Nestor Cortez changed his a little bit uh Jamison Tyone introduced one and I'm talking about the cutter there was like an interesting cutter mentality that was permeating through the Yankees and uh there's a metric that we have over a pitcher list called PLV which is you know similar to stuff plus and that it's looking to kind of equate um how a pitch performs based off of its characteristics and it was in the 91st percentile He can't you can't command it quite as well, but it got a 15% swinging strike rate, and the velo was was pretty nice too. So I don't know if he was going through a sort of transition as a pitcher where like this is what he wanted to be, kind of a four seam cutter, ground ball dude. Um, I'm curious to see if that happens, but I I kind of did like some of the steps that he has showcased. Um, I'm curious to see if that ground ball rate sticks around moving forward, though.
1: Yeah, I'm hoping he stays healthy because when he is healthy, uh, I think that he can definitely smash through the ADP, which is about 103. Again, looking at the the recent main events that have taken place, if he's healthy over a full season, I think he can beat that. It's just I think that has been a, a fairly big hurdle from these last couple of seasons. If we get 140, 150 plus innings, uh, I think then you're you're definitely going to be happy with where you're generally taking him in drafts. We've talked about a lot of sad topics, mostly players who are moving down in the rankings. Somebody who has been moved up a little bit in my rankings and I think in everybody's, Mitch Keller. Now, I'm not, you know, I don't know if I heard quite this kind of hyperbole, but, you know, Mitch Keller for Cy Young is something that we kind of joke about every single year, it <laughs> seems, in spring training. Is this the year where he actually does it, or are we being fooled again?
0: Listen, it is absolutely bananas that Mitch Keller has a 20-to-1 strikeout-to-walk ratio in spring <laughs> right now like that's that's pretty unbelievable um I don't know I didn't include him in my top 100 um and that's just because I don't know if I'm necessarily sure on the talent I will say this he's what where is where is he going right now and at FPC it has to be like after pack after pick 250 and like closer to
1: pick 300
0: if not after pick
1: 300 right uh 273 in the so there's been 10 main events his minimum is 197 and the max is 344.
0: Yeah, okay. Um there are, you know, listen, once it gets past pick 250 and you're in your reserves, there are few guys that I think you can make the argument against completely staying away from them, right? Like I'm not really interested in like a Josiah Gray or really anyone in that uh, in that Nationals rotation, right? But there are enough, you know, upside plays to mitch keller that does make him interesting right i mean you see a 388 fit last year and a 418 sierra uh you know both of which are our career highs for him when he has over 100 innings which is a small sample but still it, it's it's good to see uh, uh you know a k rate at 20 percent again uh a swing strike rate that jumped up a little bit i understand it he's still not playing for a great team so you're still not going to get a lot of wins um he's still you know his career high is 159 innings so you're probably going to get 150 maybe 160 out of him and even with the you know 391 era from him was a 1-4 whip like a 1-4 whip is is a is bad like, that is that is very, very bad for you, right? And there are other pitchers that come to mind that don't have great whips. I think, what was it, like Lance McCullers or maybe not have like a great whip. I can't remember off the top of my head. I think it is him. But he's going to get you better ratios, right? McCullers, excuse me, Keller is maybe going to get you a mid to high three ERA, maybe. He's not going to get you strikeouts. He's probably not going to get you a heck of a lot of innings. He's not going to get you whips. And he's not gonna get you wins. So what are we talking about? Right. So again, you can make the case because there is upside there. And like I said, a 20 to one K to walk ratio is pretty insane. But uh, there's some other picks going around him again that are like probably on better teams with just as many warts and can probably contribute in more categories than Mitch Keller.
1: I'm assuming you'd say something similar about JT Brubaker. He's another guy that people seem to be pushing up rankings recently. Decent-looking spring, but again, I think he's limited by the team context, by the strikeouts. Do you agree there?
0: Yeah, I mean, I saw something interesting about Brubaker where, like, it's funny, I used to really be in love with JT Brubaker. I watched some, like, blowout game against the Cubs where he came in in long relief many years ago, and I really fell in with his slider. And I was like, okay, this is kind of interesting. And I know that people said that he was, like, maybe leaning on a different heater in spring training, like a little bit more, but I don't know. Like, I don't know what, unless there was a pretty considerable change in the movement profile of any of those pitches, I'm just not quite sure what the change would be for Baker that would put him in a place um, where I'd be interested in kind of taking him. I will say this too, like, we're talking about who's going to give you the best shot out of the gate. Right. Like if we're talking NFC or draft and holds, then it's a different situation. Right. You're getting, you know, a little bit later on in the drafts. So you might be able to take a chance on Brubaker. But there are some guys that at this point in the draft, you can just kind of monitor who they're going to be facing, um, at the beginning of the season. Right. Um, and I don't, I, you know, I don't really know. Let's, let's take a look at who the Pittsburgh Pirates are opening their season against, but I don't know if it's going to be a team that would make me interested in streaming JT Brubaker against them. It would have to be a pretty poor offense. Yeah, it's okay. So it's either Cincinnati in Cincinnati, which no, thank you. Right. Or Boston in Boston. And I I just sure the Red Sox lineup isn't the most terrifying thing in the world, but it is still pretty dang good. Um, Then they go to the White Sox and then it's the Astros. So maybe if there's an Astro, if there's a White Sox stream available, then I'm like, okay, cool, but I'm not doing it against the Astros. After that, he gets the Cardinals and cores, not doing it in cores. So there are so many potential minefields for his early starts that, even if he does showcase a nice amount of upside, that's a tough, a tough way to start the year for him. There's probably something else in the waiver you could be into.
1: Yeah, there's just not really much upside at all that I see from a fantasy point of view. He have to be a very deep league, a 15 teamer or a, a draft and hold or something like that. I'm not taking him in any 12, certainly not in tens, And, you know. Even in your standard 15s, I think that he's like on the edge, but he's not like a must roster player, I don't think. Like if you're talking no. NFBC 15 teamers, probably, but not not trying to go out of my way to roster Pirates or Nationals or Oakland Athletics pitchers this season. Uh not in the slightest. Now, somebody that you guys are kind of down on at pitcher list, I think, based on some of the on the corner pods I've heard and some of the rankings I've seen is Tristan McKenzie. Mm. And he has been not great so far in spring I was a little bit down on him I wasn't really a huge fan of the strikeout rate going down I wasn't really big on him last year I thought the the periphery stats were or the pitching indicating stats more accurately were I don't know not the greatest I just think people were kind of overrating him a little bit and now uh, he has not looked really great out of the gate in spring is Tristan McKenzie somebody that you're worried about more so than you might have been before spring started Um, not
0: necessarily. I mean, I do like guys like Tristan McKenzie are really difficult to analyze solely because I think the guardians have success with a different style of pitcher than what we would typically see from a major leaguer, right? Like the way that Shane Bieber utilizes his four seamer is not via elevating. It's actually by dropping it into the zone or down at the knees, which theory sits up was breaking pitches a little bit more. And they like to do that a lot. They usually have pitchers who don't have great four seamers and then have really, really good breaking pitches. Usually two of them. Nick talks about that a lot, But Kenzie kind of has one of them and I can't quite tell if this is, you know, this is going to be another guy where it's like, mm, maybe he's going to regress. Um, and the guardians are like, no, nah, we really know how to do all this stuff and he's going to be just fine. It's like, put it this way. There's two paths, right? There's the Bieber path where last year everyone was like, the spin stuff is going to make him really bad. And you know, his four seam doesn't look good anymore. He's lost some velocity. He's not going to be great. And then he has a fantastic year, right? So there's that path. And then there's the Zach please Zach path where we granted we saw a smaller sample size but everyone was willing to you know say he was the next great thing in cleveland and then the next year zach please completely falls off and now theoretically could maybe be fighting for a job if he can't turn things around right i don't think please is either of those extremes where all of a sudden he's going to be an ace or all of a sudden he's going to be a you know just kind of a a high four era guy but i do think he can kind of walk the the middle there we saw him You know him better his command issues thanks to his ability to find the zone a little bit more last year uh with the heater with the slider there are areas where he can take a step back the Babbitt is going to fall a bit the four seamer performance is going to regress a bit i don't think he's going to be able to sustain an 80 percent left on base rate or that home run to fly ball rate that he put up because those things are super volatile year over year and difficult to maintain um I don't know. I I think he might not. uh, He's definitely not going to exceed expectations. I'll give people that. I don't think he's going to do that. So I would probably pull back a bit. My original rankings, though, I have I'm a little bit higher than uh, Nick did. I have Tristan McKenzie. Yeah. Right in the like late 30s, early 40s is where I'm kind of comfortable with him right now.
1: I had him at 44 right now. Um, That's I could maybe make an argument to move him up one or two spots, but I I don't feel that that pressing need to, especially after seeing how he's performed in spring. I think the main qualm that I have with him is the price that he is going as a top, a lot of the time top eighty pitcher. Uh, you know, going ahead of Joe Musgrove, ahead of George Kirby, he's going ahead of Blake Snell. Um, you know, Kershaw, a lot of guys who I like more uh, than McKenzie. You know, and I want to just trust Cleveland implicitly in terms of how they develop pitching. They're usually a team that you can rely upon. But I find myself a little bit down on him and even Shane Bieber a little bit this season. And maybe I'm wrong with Shane Bieber, but McKenzie certainly I think uh, I'm just not there. I'm not drafting him. And it's a lot of it is because of the price. If he was going like 140, 150, then I would totally be there. But I just think the market's kind of overvalued him a little bit based on what you're gonna be getting out of him, unfortunately. And mm-hmm. I do not have any shares because of it. Um, who else do we have here? Nick Lodolo. Hmm. I'm a pretty big Nick Lodolo guy. I like him more than Hunter Green. Where are you at right now on Nick Lodolo?
0: Yeah, talk about guys too have been kind of lighting it up in spring as well, right? Like I understand a lot of people, you know, there was some tweet going around yesterday saying like, oh, it's a good day for Red's pitching because it was like, I don't know if it was him and Green and Ashcraft. I know it was definitely Lodolo and Ashcraft who were kind of turning it on a bit. And yeah, there's there's reasons to get excited about that. It's funny that you should mention it, too, because I was trying to figure out what to do with Lodolo just yesterday because I had to consider whether or not I wanted to have him as a, a keeper in my home. League uh, and I ended up going, uh, keeping him for about seven dollars. I think he's going to be able to return that value, but that's a topic for another conversation. He he has a, a an okay pair of heaters and obviously an elite breaking ball. Um, I'm concerned about the poor numbers he puts up against righties a little bit. Uh, obviously, along with the fact that he pitches just in the worst you know pitching stadium in all of baseball. Right? It's just the worst place to pitch. Um, I don't know if there's necessarily a step forward for him right he's not like hunter green where he's got this like elite four seamer that he could go on a run with and just like set it up right Uh, I don't think you know maybe he could take a step forward with the heaters I don't think the changeup is really it for him he he put up a, a low three era when he came back from that back injury which was really good to see but I don't know if that's sustainable I think that was kind of just a smaller sample and a good amount of kind of luck going his way um, however, I still think that he's a guy that he's going to be able to provide you with a good amount of strikeouts overall. So the mid to high three ERA and like 1.2 whip, they're not going to be great, but if he's coming with 150, 160 innings and
1: like a, a relatively high strikeout rate, then
0: yeah, I think he's kind of a, a fun, a fun play to take for sure.
1: Yeah. I mean, Cincinnati always is is of course going to worry you, but he performed pretty well there last season. I know that You know, prospect growth isn't always linear. It might not get better, but I don't know that it'll get that much worse as he progresses and gets more used to major league batters. Of course, that means they'll be more used to him. But I think we'll see at least, uh, you know, a similar outcome in terms of ERA and strikeouts. And if he does that, then I think that he is going to be a pretty solid pick, even though maybe a little high going around like pick 120 usually. But I still think at that point, the upside is there for him to definitely return it. Another guy who I think has a lot of upside, somebody that you want to talk about, Reed Detmers. Reed Detmers Mm -hmm. has looked good. I know he was somebody who was hard to kind of nail down last season because he had that no hitter, but that he didn't look particularly great in the no hitter. I think he had one or two strikeouts and then he didn't look great. I think he went down and then he came back up and he was fantastic. Um, where are you right now on, on reading that outlook?
0: Yeah, this is a, you know, kind of point of contention between Nick and I, um, About Detmers, Nick is a little bit higher on Detmers than I am, and I understand. I mean, he he definitely got me to bring my ranking of Detmers up a little bit. Like, we've been talking a lot about spring training numbers and whether that matters. While the numbers themselves don't necessarily matter, the velocity matters, right? That's what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for new pitches. Uh, like maybe I'll let that sway me a little bit. But the thing about new pitches when it comes to spring training is we've more often than not seen a guy say, Hey, I'm going to throw this new pitch and then they throw it in spring training and then it goes away during the course of the year because they don't want to mess with their arsenal. They're a little too afraid to throw it at, you know, when it comes to meaningful games or whatever. So I don't really count that quite as much, but when it comes to velocity, that's tough to deny. And his velocity has been ticking up virtually all over the board in terms of his four seamer and his slider. Um, there is a good lesson that I learned when it came to Shohei Otani's four-seamer, where if the if the profile of the pitch in a vacuum is not great, but it has plus-plus velocity, the pitch characteristics might not matter quite as much, right? Like Shohei Otani's four-seamer is not a good pitch on paper, right? Like there are many statistics that you can look at that are not elite when it comes to that. But when you bring the velocity into it, it is elite, right? It's very, 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 very good Uh it's when he's throwing 100 miles an hour. Um, So I think Detmers might be that way as well, where maybe originally I was waiting the, the, the four-seamer performance a little bit too much. There's no denying that when he came back from that minor league stint, he was a different pitcher. I think people are, you know, not taking... uh they're not really paying attention to the fact that there could be a considerable floor when it comes to redembers, right? That still does exist of being a mid to four ERA pitcher. Um, But I will say that in the past coming weeks, there's a lot of evidence that is, you know, if I try to remove any biases that say, yeah, this is a, this is a really good flyer to take later on in your drafts.
1: Yeah, I think he's going roughly about 150 usually in the, in, in the main events. I think it's 141. Uh, But sometimes he slipped even as far as into the 170. So he's something you don't have to really pay up for. If that Angels team stays healthy, they could be very, very good. There might be a lot of win opportunities for Detmers, where we didn't really see that last year. He had seven wins and 25 starts. I think we could definitely see double-digit victories, of course, assuming health. But there's a lot of talent in that lineup if they're able to finally figure it out after all these years. But who knows? This could be the year. Looks looked like it might have been the year last year, and then everything fell apart. But who knows? uh, If they stay healthy, good things could happen there for sure. Sean Manaya was another guy that you had mentioned. I came into the year very big on Manaya and Ross Stripling. I am a full believer in San Francisco. Any pitcher that goes there, I will happily take shares. You've moved up Manaya?
0: I did move up Manaya. I think the one of the things that was really difficult about him was that velocity. And this is another guy just like Reed Detmers, where if I'm seeing an uptick in velocity and that velocity is remaining consistent over the course of spring training, then yeah, I'm, I'm really into it. I too was uh, very into anyone who went to San Francisco, right? I was a little T te- I was I was a little pissed off last year because their defense was so poor and it showed that if it is poor, it's not going to benefit the pitchers that we need them to benefit. I'm hoping that they can correct that. And that's a good thing for people to, I think, remember, myself included, is that like one, defenses are important, obviously. Two, they're gonna be volatile. And three, we just might not know the direction that they're going to go over the course of the year. With that said a new velocity might not make him as defense dependent um i think there's a lot of opportunity for him to showcase some of the pitches that he had in the past his changeup could get back to what it used to be this is a guy who we've seen things click for in the past and often the missing piece has been that velocity so if he's showing that right if he's showing that in spring training i'm interested
1: yeah i'm totally there um, you know, I think that he's somebody who's had kind of some bad luck, and maybe this is not the greatest place to go if you had some bad luck. I mean, I'm the one of the bigger Alex Cobb fans out there, and last year was very hard uh for him mm-hmm. and Alex Wood as well. I mean, their Babups were awful. The ERAs eventually, I mean, Cobb finished with a good ERA. Wood, I think, was over five, but all yeah. the indicators were in the threes, and it's a lot of it comes down to the defense. Nick had a great video on the on the Pitchless YouTube channel that was breaking down an Alex Cobb inning, and it was like two flares and then it was a ball that just sneaks through somehow and poor defense. And then it was a grand slam and Nick lost mm-hmm. his mind. Understandably. Uh, hopefully that those same problems do not plague Manaya uh, Mania and hopefully my guy Ross stripling as well. Hopefully those two guys can, uh, can look pretty good this year. Definitely guys that I have some shares of so far, Joe Ryan, Joe, Ryan. I gotta be honest, Joe Ryan. I haven't seen so much of him in spring. I looked at his numbers. He looked pretty good. Is he somebody that has impressed you so far?
0: Yeah, I am really in on Joe Ryan this year, and the reason for that is uh, I was actually fully out. I had a bet with Paul Spore last year that he was going to have actually a plus four ERA last year, and while it looked like I was really going to lose that bet at the beginning of the year, by the end of the year it got really, really close. The end of the year with a high three ERA. I think I like donated some money in in his dog uh, Charlotte's name to the ASPCA <laughs> or something. Uh, just to let people know I make good at my bets. Um, and then this year, I think I'm fully in. And the reason for that is at the beginning of the year last year where he started having a lot of success, he started to up his slider usage a lot. And I was kind of under the impression that because his four seamer wasn't great and he just kind of got by and kind of hiding it that second, third time to the order, he was going to get punished a lot. He upped up the slider usage. He performed really well. That tapered off over the course of the year. And then in the last month, he started to throw a new slider, right? it looked like more of a sweeper. So I was like, Oh, that's kind of interesting. And then that sweeper started to get more whips. And then it looks like the stuff plus in the sweeper started jumping up a little bit. And then the off season comes around. I think we see some news that he goes to driveline and the, you know, develops the sweeper a little bit more and then starts to throw the sweeper a little bit more in spring training. And to me, now we're taking a guy who already has a plus plus heater and now has a breaking pitch. that's going to be able to get him a little bit more uh, swings and misses That is very exciting to me. This is a guy who also could get you 160, 170 innings. Like, I don't think there's going to be any innings restriction for um, for Joe Ryan on a good team in a weaker division. Now, obviously, they're going to play fewer games against that division, but still still going to play plenty of them. So, yeah, that's a lot of things that have me really intrigued. He, he isn't someone who's gotten enough helium that the price is such that it's exorbitant, right? He's going still at a good place where if he does look a little bit more like what he did last year overall, it's not terrible. But there's there's upside there. There's a path forward where he could be really, really good.
1: Yeah, he's going 126 in the main events. Feels pretty reasonable considering what he potentially could do. I know a lot of people are really into Minnesota as a whole this year. They think it can be very good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if they're gonna win the division, but I think they're they're gonna be right in that conversation if, if things break the way that they should. Uh one last guy I wanted to ask you about Alex, and that's Matthew Boyd. And Matthew Boyd, I I still don't really know how to feel. You gotta tell me what's going on with Matthew Boyd.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny.
1: Obviously, we have a whole thing
0: at Pitcher List. You know, we call ourselves the Boyd boys and stuff yeah. like that. And that kind of started with Nick and I falling in love with him a long time ago. We went down to spring training. We were so excited about a new changeup he was showcasing. And we saw him strike out DJ LeMayhew. And we were freaking out. And then we got to interview him after the game and all that stuff. <laughs> um, then Boyd, I think later on that year or maybe a year or two ago, comes back and and does really well in terms of ratios. But all the strikeouts go away. Um there are a lot of pieces there for Boyd that are really interesting, most of which are revolve around the velocity, right? Like if he's going to be sitting 92, 93 again, i really, really like to see that from him. The slider can be a really, really good pitch for him. The changeup, you know, I still think it has some upside. I'm excited that he's back with um, Detroit. You know, I know that San Francisco saw something in him, and that's why they signed him. They ended up trading him uh, to Seattle, where he kind of came out in relief and he was kind of figuring it out. Um, I think, you know, he, he's looked very, very good in spring, uh, which is good to see. Obviously, um, again, we shouldn't be taking it too seriously, but it, it's better to see than seeing like what we saw with, uh, um, with Luis Severino. I'm trying to look up his spring numbers real quick. Yeah, it's yeah. So 21 strikeouts to three walks. I'll, I'll take that. Uh, I'll, I'll take that all day. Um, so encouraging to see the swing and miss stuff. another guy who probably isn't getting drafted in most of your leagues and listen another guy that you might be able to even keep on the waiver wire if you're if you're kind of still out see so like all right maybe if this is going to hit but there is this is another guy goes super late has plus upside has a path to success and when it comes to those guys yeah I, I'm I'm more than willing to take
1: a flyer on him the ADP is 294 he's probably just outside of like a standard 12 teamer you'd reach a little bit for him as like a last pick second last pick in your in your home league 12 teamer kind of setup
0: Yeah. 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 I think that's, yeah, that's kind of a a fun way to like that. Nick says this all the time. You're not drafting a best ball league, right? You're like the the last pick that you have does not need to be precious. It should be someone where you're like, if it's a pitcher, it should be someone where you're like, all right, you've got to start. Wow me. (laughs) You know what I mean? Uh, And if it's a hitter, then it's like, okay, you've got some upside. Maybe you're going to win this job and we'll see what we're going to get. And if it's a reliever, it's a guy like, you know, like Reynaldo Lopez, who probably could win the job out of camp, but might not. Right. You don't need to be too precious about it. Find the guy that intrigues you the most. Go look at the opening season schedules and see what the matchups are. Um, See if maybe you can get a little bit of a competitive advantage there. And then, you know, just find whatever upside you can and run with it.
1: Yeah, and for somebody like him, who is there's potential that he might end up being like a streamer, uh, waiver wire guy who gets picked up and dropped a little bit. The projections you'll look at projections for the whole season, but for somebody like that, anybody that's going to kind of be in and out of rosters, the whole season projections don't really matter. You know, you're looking at individual starts, you're looking at two start weeks. There might be a couple weeks where Boyd has a couple of nice ones where they're both at home. Let's say he's facing Washington on Monday and he's facing whoever pittsburgh on saturday that's probably best case scenario but there will be definitely some weeks where you know if you're not going to take a chance on him with your last pick then he's somebody to definitely consider streaming in uh alex is there anybody else who has made like drastic jumps or drops in your rankings in the preseason
0: um that's a good question i'll take a look at my rankings real quick and see if there's anyone else i mean i think maybe hunter green has fallen a little bit i am excited about him i do think he is a lot of fun um but I still don't know if people are baking in the downside enough. Pablo Lopez might be jumping up a bit just because we're seeing some increased velocity from him. Same with Jeffrey Springs, both guys showcasing new velocity. Jeffrey Springs debuting a kind of new sweeper to go along with the slider that he already has. So I'm I'm kind of excited by that. Um, even a guy like Lance Lynn uh, kind of curious about him. I don't know if he's necessarily going to be as poor as we saw him last year, especially considering that knee surgery that he had. Um, and then uh, I think that's it. Maybe Kyle Bradish, although I- I'm still kind of keeping him in the low eighties. Uh, he technically doesn't have the fifth stop, the fifth start, uh, fifth rotation spot. Sorry, <laughs> wrapped up right now. And he is, not been as poor as tyler wells but he just got shellacked against the phillies um i guess one last one too spencer turnbull i've kind of got my eye on spencer turnbull was fantastic before tommy john surgery and a small 50 innings pitch sample he is another guy who is relatively free and has a lot of fun things in his arsenal to kind of keep track of so yeah those are a few other names that kind of come to mind for me that have been changing
1: Turnbull's one of my most rostered players. I have him in a couple of draft champions. I took him, I think, in the main event qualifier. I did. I just, I find, you know, once you're getting around to pick 400, it's actually Spore who talked me into it when we did our Tigers preview. He talked me into doing that. He's listed as the number five pitcher, I think, in their depth chart on Fangrass, but I think he's, you know, arguably their best pitcher. Um, hmm. you could You could make that case. Maybe some people go for Erod you know maybe it is erod but i would you know i would definitely take a chance on turnbull somebody that i have taken a chance on a bunch so far uh, but alex i really appreciate you taking the time i've wanted to have you on for since i started doing this so it's a it's a great honor to be able to talk with you man
0: yeah of course man thanks for having me i'm always always happy to talk pitching
1: yeah, I, I figured as much figuring uh, you and Nick are two of the best always going on about pitching on On the Corner. You guys should definitely be checking out the OTC podcast. Everything that Alex does, you can find it on Twitter at AlexFast8. He's, of course, at PitcherList. He's going to be doing work with Sunday Night Baseball again. And, of course, he is, like I, we talked off the top, an Emmy Award winner. So definitely be checking out his work over on Twitter and at PitcherList. And that article that you dropped recently regarding finger pressure, that was it was one of your first articles you dropped in a while, right?
0: Yeah, God, it should have been. Uh, I, it was a. It was my first non-rankings article in like two or three years. Having a kid
1: will do that to you. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> I can. I can imagine. I'm hoping uh, still a few years down the road for me, so I can save time for for baseball content. But guys, I appreciate you hanging out with us. You can find me on Twitter at joeorico 99 And like I mentioned earlier, go check out Ethos Fantasy BB for all of our links to different podcasts, different shows, articles, rankings, different updates to the draft guide, all of our baseball content. You guys can check it out there at E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB. Guys, make sure you're checking out tomorrow's show. We talked with Keegan Matheson. He's going to bring us through some Blue Jays spring training news and notes. But until then, take care, have a great night, and we will see you tomorrow.